This message is brought to you by danmolerarchive.com, the number one place to search over 2,500 Dan Moeller messages and growing. Now, please enjoy this message. But in that amount of time, I've seen a lot of people live by how they feel, and I've seen a lot of Christians meaning well, spend countless hours ministering to people based on feelings, impressions, memories, flashbacks. And all those things could be pushed aside by simple faith, simple believing. You can wake up in the morning and, and be tempted to think, oh boy, it's going to be one of those days. Well, what's that really mean? You're just relating to a feeling you had once before and how the day worked out. And all of a sudden you're set up for not a good day. And maybe I ought to call for prayer or get some prayer. You don't need prayer. It's time to push off that impression and feeling because it's not producing life. It's time to lift your hands, even in the bathroom, just before you do anything, and just close the door. Father, I thank you for grace in my life today, that today is a gift. The feelings won't rule my life. Your spirit is in me, and your spirit will rule my life. Holy Spirit, I welcome you. Thank you for another day. It's a gift today. I'm telling you, that'll take you a long way. It sure beats just feeling blah, trying to get through, praying to make it, whatever that means. I just assure you the gospel's not a survival kit. Yeah. It's the answer for a very brand new life. The gospel's not here to get you through. The gospel's here to transform you and make you what he created you to be from the beginning and what he paid for you to be through his cross. I'm going to talk about that a little bit if that's okay. Well, I guess it is. I got the mic. The worst you can do is walk out on me. I won't get offended. I would hurt for you, though, because I feel like what I'm going to share would encourage you if you'll stay. I learned a long time ago not to get hurt. I learned a long time ago not to get offended. I learned a long time ago, 23 years ago, as a matter of fact, to not take life personal anymore because I took the gospel personal. And here's what it taught me, that every day I wake up, I don't wake up for you to love me. I don't wake up for you to tell me something nice. I wake up to be like him and to shine and to walk in love. To know his love. It passes knowledge. To know his love. Ephesians 3. It's above all these things. To know his love. To know the love of Christ. To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, is to be filled with the fullness of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I looked that up. And that word fullness means a house with no empty rooms. It means a town with no empty houses. It means a ship so full of cargo there's no place to put another box. What it means is the person with the revelation of Christ's love is fully and completely occupied. And there's no vacancies in their life. Ain't that something? Could you imagine living out of fullness instead of living out of need? See, when you need somebody to say the right thing, you're only as strong as the weakness around you. You're only as good as the things being said. When you let people decide who you are and how you are, your eyes are on the wrong place. See, our whole lives we've been tricked into finding ourselves through one another. And the truth is you can only find yourself through him. He's the way, 
He's the truth. He's not a way. Well, say that. The way. Come on. He's the truth. And in him's life. You with me? Yes. So 23 years ago, I found myself in him. Most secure, incredible, life-changing moment of my life. And here I am, 23 years later, people invite me to come and talk about him. And never asked to travel, never asked to pastor, never asked to preach. Just changed my life. <laughs> I still don't own a computer to this day. I'm not into technology. I'm not into computers. I don't know what I'd do with one. I had one in my office once, and they came and dusted the screen every once in a while. <laughs> one of the girls said, can we use it so it doesn't lock up with dust? I said, okay. I'd never turned it on. They said, we need to set you up with an email address. I said, no, please don't. People will be sending me jokes and pictures and things, and I'll have to screen through a thousand things that mean nothing to me. I don't want a computer. I'm not against them. I found out I'm preaching on that thing a lot on that computer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how I get on that. <laughs> zero responsible for being on the computer. I've never put myself on there, and I've never asked anybody to put me on Somebody went in there and organized stuff. They said they broke down the whole kingdom school, and they got stuff categorized. They said it's done well, and it's a whole channel. And it's really good. Yeah. And I have no clue who's <laughs> They tell me that ministries pay money to have that done to their stuff. And I don't even know who's doing it. <laughs> Couldn't pay them if I wanted to. <laughs> I would, anyway, I, I just don't have, I didn't have a vision for any of that, but apparently the Lord did. Everywhere I travel, it's humbling and overwhelming. I've never asked to preach. I've never asked to pastor. My, my church, I've never been, I don't even share this publicly, but I've never been to Bible school a day in my life. Now, that might not be good to share because then some people will turn you off and not listen. I'm not even sure why I share it. But I've never been to Bible school a day in my life, but I sat on my bed for hundreds of hours playing that song and being with him. And I've been privileged to see and experience a lot of things because of that. And because of those things, people said, well, you're a leader. I said, I think I'm a believer. <laughs> well, you're a pastor. I think I'm a believer. <laughs> you have to understand you're a believer before you're anything else. Right. Yes. Yes. And these signs shall follow yes. those who believe. If we stand before him, Tommy, and we all go up before him and stand before him and heaven marks us as believers, mm -hmm. then we run well. Because yeah. if you are a believer, everything about your life will measure up and be in place. Because mm -hmm. the way you live your life yeah. reveals what you believe. Okay? Come on, that's not harsh. I felt I get nervous in the room. Don't get nervous. It's, 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 it's really good news. He doesn't have us in charades. He doesn't have us guessing. He shows us who he is, who the Father is, and he says, follow him. So he shows us who we are in him and what we're called to and created for. This thing isn't a mystery. It's all out in the open. 
Christ in us, the hope of glory. Amen. Not Christ to us, Christ for us. Come on, say that. Not just Christ getting us a new job and providing and filling our account and making sure. No, no, no. Christ in yes. me yes. is the hope of glory. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> You're happy, aren't you? <laughs> we were singing a song tonight and you blessed my heart because you obviously had an encounter with him and he must have talked to you and revealed himself in some way and we were singing about he's worthy of all he's a good father and, and in the one line you went you, you, didn't, you weren't even looking around you just go yes you will <laughs> and I go well he must have visited her <laughs> but nobody was looking <laughs> See, the reason it's so important to get to know him, because then you live your life out of knowing him, and you're never just serving what's right. Wow. When people get tricked into serving what's right, they have highs and lows in their life. When you live out of knowing him, it's not highs and lows. Knowing him is your conviction. He's your friend. He's your father. You have an intimacy, a relationship. That alone starts to conduct your life. Follow me? All of a sudden, you're not even waking up and trying to be good, trying not to sin. You're waking up enjoying being His, being in Him, knowing Him. Right. It's, there's no such thing as secrets when you know Him. Amen. There's no such thing as a secret. Your own conscience understands that. Mm -hmm. There's no such thing as saying something behind the scenes or in the dark. You're not in the dark. You're in the light. <laughs> no, there's something about knowing Him, guys, that... Is so much greater than religion and tradition and men's attempt to get a hold of all. There's something about God getting a hold of man. That's the difference. It's not your works, it's his work. What he did made us right with him, so we have the right to come to him with an unveiled face and be his children. You gotta start there. You gotta go there. Start there. Start where he finished. He made you righteous. He forgave you. He washed you clean. He accepted you. Yeah. See, I learned this stuff when I got saved. Holy Spirit started teaching me this in my, in my bedroom, literally. I read my Bible from my heart for the first time in my life. I grew up in church and went there until I was 18, regular, and went off and on until I was 20, and then clicked on until I was 33. And then one day he came into work and saved me. And for the first time in my life on my own, I opened my Bible and started to read it to know him. I didn't read it to qualify. I didn't read it because I was supposed to. I didn't read it because that's what Christians are supposed to do. I read my Bible to know him. I just believed he was in there. And that I would find him and know him. I didn't know that as I found him, I'd find myself in him. And his ways would begin to be my motives and my perspective and my eye would get single. It was a very short time. Like just a few weeks, I was convinced that the whole reason he was inside of me was so I could become love and follow him and do the things he did. Just a matter of weeks, I was convinced that he wanted to transform my life, not just take me to heaven someday. That he wanted to put who he was inside of me so who he yeah. was could flow out of me into situations and yeah. into others. And when people saw that at a very young age in the Lord, they said, oh, my goodness, you're a leader. Oh, my goodness, you're a pastor. 
And I understand that there was a pastoral thing on me. I understand the giftings and the leadership thing. I get it. I'm not trying to deny that part. I understand that. But that's not why I was living the way I was. I wasn't. The things weren't happening through my life for the first two years of my life because I was a leader. It was because I was with him. And it was because I was getting to know him and I was a believer. Are you following me? He would never tell us to go do the things he does if we believe, if it wasn't possible. He would say, these signs follow the gifted. These signs follow the called. Well, we're all called. No one comes to him unless he's drawn by him. So if you have an inkling of a desire for God, it's because grace is wooing your heart. Why would you want to come to God and why would he want to draw you? Well, the reason he would want to draw you is because he wants you with him. Right? So it's exciting. So I'm just being real simple and real basic with you right now. I just feel real simple and basic like that. I, I want you to understand that I believe with all my heart that God sent his son to redeem something he created us for and re restore something that always was from the beginning. We have to make sure that we don't turn it into something else. I've seen a lot of people turn the gospel into provision, turn the gospel into blessing, turn the gospel into protection, turn the gospel into longevity, instead of transformation and change living from a new place. I've just seen a lot of us make the gospel into what God can do for us. And then you live in highs and lows, and when everything's going well, you're doing great. And when things aren't going that well, your identity changes, your testimony changes. Your prayers are in line with what you need instead of what you're becoming. You have to be very, very, very careful that we don't cross that thin line and just make the gospel to serve us instead of transform. That's why people are discouraged when they go to church. On Sunday, they come discouraged because life's been tough. And they have a different focus and identity and definition of Christianity. They're, 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 they're as good as it's going. Wow. Instead of as good as he is in them. Shining and walking in the light as he's in the light. Paul understood it. He said there's times I have plenty. There's times I don't have enough. None of that matters or changes anything about who I am. I'm content. I've learned to be content no matter what the situation. I understand why I'm here and why he's in me is really what Paul was saying. Yes. If you ask people how they're doing, their common answer is the two biggest challenges in their life. And they say, keep me in prayer. That's a giveaway. <laughs> no, it's a giveaway. And you constantly get driven by the thing you need him to do for your life. Instead of what he wants you to become in him. Because if people are treating you wrong and you start living treated wrong, we're missing why he came. They treated Jesus wrong every day. Tommy just left the little list off of the active day of Jesus. Boom, bam, boom, bam, right? And in the background, they're trying to decide what spirit's possessing him. Which evil spirit was doing the miracle? He didn't get a whole lot of excitement from the people towards him. To the tune that one day the same crowd yelled Barabbas, crucify him.
and it never changed. When I see that, I so respect that and love that and want that in my life. I don't want people to treat me wrong and me become treated wrong and then call Jesus Lord and let being treated wrong govern and decide my life. Now I'm only as good as people are doing me. No, I'm as good as he is in me. And him in me causes my eyes to see them like he saw them when they treated him wrong. Are you with me? Let me just get to the quick and tell you what I'm saying. When we understand the gospel, we can live and not be offended anymore, not be hurt, not be downtrodden, discouraged, disgusted. We're full of life. We're full of excitement. We're full of zeal. We're excited about what he paid for, who he is in us, and who we've become. And we all have purpose. We all have personal destiny. And we can all write a legacy that remains forever. I never have to let life speak louder than truth because truth is what makes me free. And the life that's in me is in him. So the way it's going has nothing to do with who I am and how I am. Who he is decides that. Is it wrong to believe for a better job, a promotion, protection over your children? Absolutely not. You don't let those things dictate the why you're here. Why you're here is to be more like him. Come on, he said, the things I do, you will do if you believe. So there's a whole lot of things out there after our belief system. There's a whole lot of things out there after your understanding and the why behind your life, the purpose behind your life. There's a whole lot of things out there trying to get you to turn inward and get self-focused and self-centered, even in your prayers, even in your believing. Do you know how many people have only ever heard messages that benefit them instead of transform them? So they're actually a Christian for themselves. Sincere people. I'm not bad enough to anyone. That's all they've ever been taught is what God can do for them and how he wants to take them to heaven and how he wants to make their life better. And they come to God for what they can get from him instead of how they can be transformed by him. So their attitudes don't change. Their motives don't change. Their perspectives don't change. But yet they honor him as God and believe they came from him and he's here to provide. So on the day when provision isn't happening like they want it to or have been praying, they're usually in a quandary, have questions, pull back, sometimes question him, question love, what am I doing wrong? So they're always driven by life instead of the giver of it. Are you with me? I'm a pastor. I've counseled a few folks over the years. Ninety-some percent of your counseling appointments are people struggles, people issues, people having trouble with people. And that tells me we don't really totally understand why you came. Because I don't have trouble with you. I can't. <laughs> you don't decide who I am. I'm going to love you. Period. Like... Really, seriously. <laughs> you mean to somebody, and then we paint all these terrible analogies to try to talk ourselves out of love. Let me paint an analogy. So you're telling me you're going to come and do perfect and do everything right and never do anything wrong, and people aren't going to appreciate you, and people are going to be mad at you and rebel against you and lie about you and gossip about you. And people would even kill you and take your life and you never did anything wrong. You were always perfect and always did good. And you're telling me you wouldn't change? That wouldn't hurt you and bother you? I don't believe that. Well, I have a living example and a living epistle that has that testimony. 
And that living epistle said, follow me. Not sing to me and pray to me, follow me. Yeah? In fact, that living epistle, his name is Jesus. And here's what he said. The things I do, you'll do, and greater things if you believe. As the Father sent me, so I send you. As he is, so are we in this world. Predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. Anyone who says he abides in him ought to walk even as he walked. If he loved us this way, ought we not love one another? That's a few scriptures. <laughs> that make us one. Look, I honestly, I don't want to, and I don't want to allow you to think it's okay. I don't want to receive him in as my savior and then have the right to have an attitude outside of him, have a perspective outside of him. Like if I can't see it in his life, I don't want it in mine. Amen. I don't even want permission to be something that I can't find in him. Why? Because everything I learned before him was apart from him. Come on, think with me. This is anyone that's wise in this age, anyone that thinks they really know concerning life in this age, they need to determine to know nothing so they can become wise. So the he said, she said, and the tit for tat mentality, well, I feel, well, I won the fade in, well, how come, well, you should have never. We didn't learn that from him. We never saw that in him. So if we never learned it, he didn't teach us that, where did we learn it? Yes. We never saw him hurt. We never saw him offended. We never saw him hateful. We never saw him like that. You say, well, I don't know. He flipped them tables over and he was pretty mad. <laughs> but he never cost anybody his identity. He's just zealous about a truth. He didn't cut nobody off. He died for the people in that room. He gave his life. Don't turn the, turn the money tables over as if Jesus had a trying day and lost it for a moment. <laughs> Are you kidding me? He didn't change a thing about who he was and why he came. Right. He's hanging on the cross and the best left can say is forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Come on, he didn't learn what we learned growing up. Yeah. He's been the same from the beginning. Yeah. See, if he learned what we learned growing up, here's what he just said on the cross. On. I can't believe you're doing this, you bunch of knuckleheads. <laughs> what have I done wrong? Name one thing I've done wrong. You just don't understand. You think I'm a blasphemer. You should let the works speak for themselves. The works bear witness of my father. I've raised you dead. I've healed you sick. I've fed your hungry bellies. Are you kidding me? And this is what you're doing to me? Look, if you didn't change by now, I don't think you'll ever change. I wonder what I thought about you and loved you in the first place. I'm not even sure what I was thinking. But you can't hear that come out of him. You never would. You never will. Why? Because he's Jesus? Because he's love. Because he's love. And love doesn't seek its own. Here's the problem with everybody in this room and on this earth, including myself. We grew up born into self-centeredness, very self-conscious, self-aware, self-defending, self-protecting, self-survival. It was all about ourselves. You needed loved, you needed accepted, you needed valued, you needed appreciated, you needed stability. And a lot of us didn't have those things. And that caused a lot of trouble. In esteems, 
in, in identity and integrity and character, in value. At a very young age, you're nothing more than a product of what you've been through and how you've responded. At a very young age, it's not even you. It's a reactionary person that wasn't living in truth, a survivalist at best. Be real with me. Every man for himself. God makes man in his image. The image gets lost through sin. They get cut off from God. We're born into cut off. So every man's born into Adam and you must be born and somehow we turned that into a beneficial prayer that takes me to heaven instead of a transformation back to the beginning and a restoration to truth. Yeah? Come on, he didn't pay a price to take me to heaven. He paid a price to get sin off of me, sin out of me, and put his life back inside of me. He paid a price to put heaven in me. I'm not waiting to go to heaven. The kingdom of God is here. It's here. Where is it? I'm looking at it. It's in you. Don't look here. Don't look there for the kingdom's in you. Man, the day you realize that and get alone when nobody's looking. Thank you for putting your kingdom in me. Thank you for putting your love in me. Thank you for putting your love in me. Thank you for loving me. Man, if you just start believing that right there, that he loves you. It'll take all those lies off of you that were Build up along the way. What people said, what people didn't say. What people did, what people didn't do. All has a loud voice all along the way. You gotta let one voice come and out shout it all. You're worth it from the beginning. You're worth my love, you're worth my blood. I wanna live in you, I wanna give you my spirit. Here's what I need you to do. Deny yourself. Call everything about before this moment dead. Come out of darkness into light and let me put my life in you. Deny yourself. You're not praying a prayer to go to heaven. You're denying life for yourself. I don't know how we ever turned this into a beneficial prayer to go to heaven. Jesus never said he's the way to heaven. He said he's the way back to the Father. And he said eternal life isn't a prayer that takes you to a place. Eternal life is knowing him. It's a reunion, a co-union, a communion back in the Father. Because Adam got cut off and separated. Jesus rejoins us and puts us back to the beginning. Yeah? Where his life and his nature is in us. His motive and his ways. Where if we be one like him and the Father are one, then the world's going to know. Yes. What's he talking about? You and me becoming love. Yes. Not needing love, becoming love. Not needing love, becoming love. Yes. Come on, my days of frustration are over. Yeah. Disappointment, discouragement, you're not going to sell it to me. I'm not for sale. I've been bought with a price and I'm not my own. Yeah. Yay. I don't even have permission. Like, I don't have a foundation for being discouraged. You say, oh, brother, no. I have scripture to never be discouraged. Watch. Consider him. Consider him. Who endured such hostility against himself. Lest you be weary and discouraged in your souls. 
Hebrews 12, 3, it's right there. It's right on the heels of saying, looking unto him, the one who authored our faith and the one who will finish it if you keep your eyes on him. You get your eyes on yourself, you're in big trouble. If you get your eyes on others, you're really in trouble. Yeah. And what they did and what they said and what they didn't do and they should know better. Well, they could save longer than me. Well, they're a leader. Well, how come? Well, I'm hurt. No, you're still alive. Time to die. Because if you don't deal with that, you'll get hurt again. And again. And again. And even though you mean well, you'll let this speak louder than truth. And it's a shame because truth is what makes you free. And all of a sudden, you're only as good as it's going instead of as good as he is inside of you. I'm telling you, we can be so rock solid, strong in him, and it all be grace and it all be humility. Nobody's puffed up because nobody has anything unless it's been given. So why don't we take the perspective that he gives and live from a new eye, a single eye, and our bodies flooded with light? So on your worst circumstantial day, all you can do is live in the light and live from the light. On your worst circumstantial day, you don't even have any questions because you have answers. Come on. Come on. You be honest with me. The average Christian in this country lives from problem to problem, and that determines their prayer life. Oh, I'm talking straight. I pastor. Lives from problem to problem, and the problems determine their prayer life. Very little communion life. Thank you, Father, you're in me. Thank you, God, that your wisdom will cause me to shine today. Father, I thank you that no one owes me a thing. Nobody's on the earth to love me. I'm on the earth to love. I thank you, God, that I'm fulfilled in you and complete in you. I can't even be rejected. This is amazing. It's so simple. I'm created to shine. Come hell or high water today, we're going to shine because you're in me. And I'm going to walk in the light as you're in the light. And life is a gift, not a dread. Thank you for a gift called life. Come on! That changes everything because if the eye is the lamp of the body and the eye is single, the whole body's flooded with light, we ought to get a single eye instead of wide view lens, multiple choice, yeah, but. Oh, come on! Yeah. Are we getting funny again, huh? Yeah. She said, are you the one my Oprah watches in the TV? You're funny. She told me she was brave before the service. I said, you going to come up here and sing when I test my mic? She said, I probably would because I'm brave. Who knows Jesus makes you brave? Amen. Amen? Not afraid. Watch this. If you're not thinking for yourself, you can't be afraid. You can't be discouraged. Anxiety has no resting place. Mm -hmm. If you're thinking first, thinking first for the kingdom of God, you are so in this thing. See, if you're seeking your own, that's why you're, that's why things are unsettled. That's why you pray all the right things and can't sleep at night. Because your motive is well-being. It's yourself. A lot of us are praying to stay out of the fire because we're afraid of the fire. He's Lord over the fire. So when the Hebrew boys go in the fire, Jesus doesn't put the fire out. Why? Has no power over them because of what they see and believe. So it's raging, but there's no smell of smoke and no damage. We should get this stuff. That's Old Covenant. They don't even understand what we're supposed to understand. 
they just had a Germany and they said, all I know is this, King. We ain't bowing to that thing you made, 90 foot bronze, whatever. We're not bowing. It's not the Lord. He's the Lord. Fire or no fire, that's the way it is. Really, they said, what's your fire to us, O king? We have no need to answer in the matter. When they say that, what are they saying? It's not about trial. It's not about your fire. It's about what we believe. So they're settled. If we burn up crispy Hebrew bacon in there, fine. But we ain't changing our belief, and we're going down as believers. So the king gets enraged, and what's he do? It's what happens to us a lot when we pray. Whoever prayed and saw it get worse after you prayed. That's on purpose. That's right in your face. And sometimes the Lord just sits back. Because anybody can pray when there's trouble. But it's about a believer. Anybody can pray when there's trouble. People that say they don't believe in God pray sometimes just in case he's out there when there's trouble. But I'll tell you what, when you take your stand and you've been diagnosed with cancer, and bless God, you take your stand. Yes. And then Tommy and his wife and all the others, the leaders come up, and they got that oil, and everybody's praying, the music is right. I couldn't be right if he's at the keys. And it's just amazing! And it just feels so right. It's God and Shabbat and yay! And you leave, and you get your next test, and your count's just a little higher. That might be where you find faith. Because anybody can do that first thing when there's a problem. Most people pray when there's a problem, whether they've even prayed in a while. That isn't how faith works, because you have a problem. Faith works because you know him and you have a covenant. Faith worketh through love. So if you haven't been resting in his love, how can you function in faith when Christ is here? How can you be a wise man and that thing's beaten vehemently on the house and the house doesn't move because you've established something in your life because you've heard and become? Yeah. Do you know how many of us are trying to build a house in a storm? We're only praying because there's trouble, not because there's a covenant. I just promise you this. We are not here to try to survive. Honestly. And I'm not, I'm not being insensitive and rude. Come on, I'm living life just like you are, and I'm faced with the same exact challenges, and I've lost people along the way, and I've seen God rescue some and pull them out of fire, and I've lost some. I've lost some in my arms. So don't tell me I don't understand. But it doesn't matter who lives, who dies. It's not about how it's working out now. It's about what you're living for and living toward and running well till the end and not letting anything change your mind. You're not here to survive. You're here to shine. You're not here for things to go your way. You're here to shine. There ain't nobody in this room whose ducks are in a row and everything going the way you wish. Nobody. And life always seems to be in our face. We better get a higher revelation. We are not trying to survive the day. We are living like him through it. And when you're treated wrong, you don't live like you're treated. You're going to live like him. Mm-hmm. And you'll carry your cross. Yes. When you're treated unfair, you don't get a lawyer. You don't live like you're treated unfair. You don't hold everybody accountable and get them for everything they're worth. Because if God dealt with you that way, you are stripped of nothing and still in debt. Be very careful and understand the speech tonight. 
We're not getting even. We're not paying back. We're laying down our lives. Yes. And until you lay down your life and understand what it means, you'll never experience the freedom of the gospel. You can pray for your needs to be met all you want, but you'll never experience the freedom of the gospel until you learn to love not your own life unto death and deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow him. That's where freedom is. Today is not the day to be angry and jealous and full of pride. Today is not the day to be in unforgiveness and not forgetting the hardship and the thing and what they said and what they didn't say. Today is not the day to remember that story. I promise you. We say it all the time. We give ourselves away. Well, you don't know what I've been through. What about what he's been through? That should matter more. If he brought something new, if he brought a new and living way through what he'd been through, maybe I find my truth in him, not in this and how I feel. Not my story, his story. People say to me all the time, well, you don't know what it was like when I was growing up. What does any of that have to do with what I'm talking about? <laughs> say that. Wonder if that's a lie. Wonder if that's a distraction. Wonder if that's all a part of sentiment and, and it's all us and our story and that's what we endear. Even though it's not producing life, we're finding identity through it, even though it's not good identity. Uh-huh. And then we can't just let it die and let it go. We feel like somebody owes us something and we gotta sometimes it's a justification for not even being like him because you don't know what I've been through. So back off and don't require too much from me. You need to be more sensitive. If you knew what I've been through, you'd think different. <laughs> what about what Jesus went through? Yeah. He raises from the dead and tells Mary to go tell his brethren. The guys that didn't do anything right. <laughs> the guys that said they'll die for him and they all ran. He rose from the dead and called them brother. He didn't call them a bunch of two-faced losers. Come on. He didn't mark them for their failure. He marked them for their destiny. And he called them brother. What's he saying when he calls them brother and raised them dead? He's saying, I haven't changed my mind about you. And they've done nothing right up until that point. When he walked in the room where they were, guess what they were doing? Hiding, assembled in fear of the Jews. Afraid that they might die even though they said they'd die for him. He walks into that and prophesies their destiny, receives them, breathes on them, fills them with the Holy Spirit, and sends them into what they're created for. Into the, he walked into the middle of their fear. He didn't walk in and go, ew. <laughs> he went in and said, peace to you. As the Father sent me, so I send you. And then he breathed on them and received the Holy Spirit. He said, why did he breathe on them? Because that's how God made man in Genesis 1. Wow. That breath was lost through sin. And everything in that breath was lost through sin. The day you eat the tree, Adam, of the knowledge of good evil is the day you surely die. We all know he didn't fall over dead, so something died. We always say spirit, but we don't know what that really means. It just sounds spiritual. <laughs> the image was lost. His creative value and purpose was lost. Watch this. When God says, let us make man in our image, what's he saying? Is he saying a head, arms, legs? No, God's a spirit. So when you think of who God is, what do you think? We understand he's majesty and glory and righteousness and eternal. But everything he does flows out of what? 
love. We know that God doesn't do love, God is love. Let us make man in our image and let him have dominion on the earth. You know he has to be making them to love because love has dominion. Why does love have dominion? You can't stop it. You can't defeat it. The devil can't defeat the mercy of God. That's why we're all here. The devil can't defeat the mercy of God. You don't get what you deserve. You get what he paid for. The devil can't stop the mercy of God. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So we probably ought to learn from that and start becoming merciful. Whoa. Because if you're merciful, you can't have a hard heart. If you're merciful, you can't be in unforgiveness. If you're merciful, you can't be hurt by what somebody said and did. If you're merciful, you won't carry it for 20 years and die with it. If you're merciful, you won't let one man decide who you are. Unless his name is Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. I'm just here to challenge you a little bit tonight. I feel it in my heart. Stir you up. This is why he came. He came and modeled a life. He said, follow me. Yeah. Didn't he? He modeled a life. We were created for him. He wouldn't say, follow me. If you couldn't follow him, he wouldn't say, follow me. He gave you the same spirit that raised him from the dead so he can quicken us and we can follow him. Wow. That's right. So he made man to love. He didn't make man to need. He made man to love. He's fulfilled in God. Man's fulfilled in God. The day you eat the tree is the day you surely die. Everything I made you to be will die. But guess what didn't die? The vision of God and the love of God never failed. God never lost sight of why he put man on the earth. So generations go by. And, and the Bible reveals all those generations of man living apart from God. Man living under sin. Man living under the law. It's all pointing and prophesying to one to come. And his name is Christ. Amen. Jesus Christ, the Lord. That's right. He came. Yeah. He was born of Mary by the Holy Spirit. Freaks me out to this day. <laughs> it does. That God would put himself in the womb of a woman as a little tiny whatever he was. Fetus, embryo, whatever he was. He was a fetus. Holy Spirit took the Son of God and put him in the womb of a woman. Why? Because he had to come as a man to pay for what man failed, to do it as a man, to defeat the devil as a man, empowered by God. He had to come as a man so he didn't take a shortcut and just show up buffed in the wilderness one day, 30 years old and ready to rock, handsome, full of the spirit. Actually, if you read your Bible, it says you wouldn't have turned your head to look at him as a man. They had no former comeliness that you should desire him. He wasn't a hunk of hunk of hunk of. Well, that only makes sense because that would just appeal to flesh. But yet people thronged him and women surrounded him and ministered to him. Why? Because of the love that just oozed out of him and poured out of him. Because of the life that came out of him and his words. Yeah? Yes. Yeah. This is powerful to me. He said, the day you eat the tree is the day you surely die. Adam eats the tree. Boom. Sin conscious. Here's the sound of the Lord coming. He runs and hides. 
from Father God. What happened? God made man to love, to multiply, to reproduce the image and fill the earth with his glory. Instead, man went some other way. Eve was deceived and Adam followed her and heeded her voice instead of him. And what he made man to be was lost through that moment. But not lost through love. So what happened to man? Man became in need of love. Instead of being loved. He became separated from the source of love. And became in need of love. And every man since that day was born into Adam in need of love. Insecure with no identity. Life teaching us who we are. You get laughed at when you're in third grade, second grade, whatever you're old enough to understand, they're mocking you. You either become introverted and broken and insecure and low esteem, or you harden and become a fighter. But life decides who you are from the time you can remember. Life dictated your personality and life dictated your responses. And you grew up thinking it's you. And it has nothing to do with truth. Nothing. Because Jesus tells it to all die. Deny yourself. Put it away. Call it dead if you're going to live in me. You can't say, well, I'm this kind of person. Well, I'm this type. I'm this type. You're talking about Adam. Come on. We study a fallen man and say this is us. The wisdom of the world. The way that seemeth right. It's all perverted. You couldn't even speak English and you were mad. You could change colors if you didn't get your way. Throw on the floor and kick and scream because you didn't get your way and you couldn't even speak English. You're telling me God did that and God made you that way. Well, God gave us emotions, brother. God didn't give you the emotions you grew up with. Adam gave you those. All your emotional expression flowed out of a self-centered wellspring your whole life. It was all about you. Come on. It's totally perverted. It's all about you. That's why we're supposed to die. We don't just pray a prayer to receive him in our heart. Come on. Why do we preach this stuff? Just ask him into your heart. No, die. <laughs> die. Die to everything you can. Die to your attitudes, your emotions, your motives. Die. Die. Because you can't live until you die. And you can't put new wine into an old wineskin. How can you bring something new into something old? You have to, it's Colossians 3, I read it, it's amazing. You have to put off the old man and his deeds. And you've got to put on the new man. Who's he? Verse 10. Renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. So what's the gospel do? Restore you back to the image, back to the right motive, back to the single eye of why you're here. Amen. So if we miss becoming love, we miss the whole reason of why he came. And we can still do church, we just fail to become her. See, attending a church service will never change the world. But you and I becoming love has to. Two days from now will be Sunday. There will be people in church by the millions. It will never change the world. Having church services will never change the world. 
Some people let the church service take the place of their identity, knowing him and their relationship. Some people let the ministry they're serving in take the place of knowing him and their relationship. Some people let their daily devotion take the place of knowing him and their relationship. Like they'll do a daily devotion and still be angry at their boss and pray for a new job instead of shine to their boss, have mercy for their boss and pray for his life. Come on. I'm not being mean. It's sober. It's real. We got to think about why he came and the message he said. Who men were and who men weren't had no bearing on who he was. He said, when you see me, you see the Father. Yes. He didn't say, when you see me, you see a betrayed man, a hurt man, a broken man. Well, you don't know what they did to me. You don't know what it was like growing up in Mary and Joseph home when I was the son of God all since the beginning of time. And then I had to come in a man. He didn't have a gripe. He didn't have an issue. He was loved. He made man in his image. And he said, the day you eat the tree is the day that gets lost. So he came and modeled what that looks like, paid the price for it to be restored. And the first thing he did when he raised from the dead is go to the Father and put his blood on the mercy seat, Hebrews 9. Shot back to earth, walked in the room. It's in John 20. And he said, peace to you. Why? He just made peace through his blood. And then he said, as the Father sent me, watch, let us make man in our image. Oh, my. In the image of God is love. As the Father sent me, for God so loved. Okay. As the Father sent me, so I send you. Let us make man in our image. As the Father sent me, so I send you. Sound familiar? Yes. What's he doing in John 20? He's doing day one. Come on. As if sin never happened because of the power of his blood. As if the tree never was eaten. And he put the image back inside a man through the person of Holy Spirit. Yeah. And you know what he said? If you, if you forgive the sins of any, they'll be forgiven. If you retain their sins, how will they be forgiven? They'll be, they'll be retained. Why? Because he's handing you the baton of the new covenant, the New Testament church. And here's what he's saying. If you walk in love like I've loved you, they'll know the way to me like you know yes. the way to me. But if you harden your heart, take life personal, and see men for what they seem, how will they know the way to me or forgiveness when you're the body of Christ? Amen. I promise you today is not the day to have issues, unresolved conflicts, tension in your marriages and your homes. It takes two to tango. It takes one to make peace and pursue it. Amen. Not everybody wants peace, but it takes one to pursue it. Romans says as much as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Don't be named among something else. Come on, this isn't harsh. It's sobering. It's awesome. I don't want to teach myself religion and come and sing Holy is the Lamb and have animosity in my home. I don't want to sing that I'm all yours and then live at the expense of others and cop an attitude that puts pressure on my family and forces them to respond. Let me tell you what love is. Love lays down its life for another. The opposite of that is living at the expense of someone. That's when you put your will, your wants, and your motives onto another person's life and force them to have to respond to that. Now you're not giving life, you're demanding life. Yeah? yeah. Be real careful with that stuff. Because it chokes out when he paid for it. Deny 
your self pick up that means don't ever let sin against you have the right to produce sin in you. You overcome evil with good. Don't repay evil for evil. You're going to carry your cross. You're going to learn from me. You have one teacher. He's the Christ. Yeah? yeah? yeah. You're going to deny what? Yourself. Why is that first? We just read in Genesis 1. You never were made for yourself. You were made for his image. I've been saying it week after week after week. Everywhere I go, I'm going to say it here. I'm not, a, I'm not the brightest man that ever lived. I'm, I'm not a politician. I'm not a, I just read my Bible and I believe I have a revelation in this right here. I'm convinced of this. I don't believe the number one problem on the earth is who the president is, racial conflict, terrorism, economy. Yeah. The number one problem on the earth is every day men wake up and live for themselves when they're made for God's image. And that's what opens the door for opinions, a dime a dozen, hate, arguments, he said, she said, right, wrong, victim, villain. Yeah. Because every day, men wake up with the gift called life and live it for themselves instead of what it's here for. Right. You hear people every day say, life's a blank, life's a bleep, life's a grind. The only reason you think life is that way is because you're living it outside of why you're here. And you're not finding grace in here. with me? We're depending on others and we're being let down. We're needing others and getting failed. We're trying to drink out of cups that are dry. No wonder we're thirsty. We sentimentally expect people that are closest to our life to be a certain thing for us so we're set up to be failed continually. And then when we're failed we have an excuse or a reason or a justification for not being like him because of them. Well, I wouldn't be feeling this way if, well, I wouldn't be doing this if, but see what you're pointing at isn't Lord. It should never govern your life. He hasn't changed. He's done nothing different. We have to stop living from one another and start living from him toward one another. The day I wake up and you owe me something, I'm only as good as your pays. But the day I wake up and owe you nothing but love, this thing is on and you can't stop the momentum of the train is on. If I just wake up to shine, this thing is on. No matter what a man or woman does to me, I can walk in love. Now you got to decide if that's why you're in this thing. And I'm just cheering you on and telling you the Bible says the goal of our instruction, 1 Timothy 1.5, is love. And if you don't have love, you got nothing. You can have perfect church attendance. You don't have love, you got nothing. You can sing with both hands high. You got love, you got nothing. Let me stretch it and go Bible with you. You can have faith to move every mountain that ever stands in front of you, and you can have every knowledge of every mystery. And if you don't have love, you've got nothing. Wow. And you think with me, all knowledge of all mysteries and faith to move every mountain is the closest thing to Jesus we've ever seen. That's a spiritual icon. A man living like that is the keynote speaker at the World Conference. We all want impartation. <laughs> all knowledge, all mysteries Faith to move every mountain He's describing what Jesus' life looked like And he's saying But if that person functioning that way Doesn't have love He's missed the point of why he's functioning And it's going to cause trouble in the end You can give all your goods to the poor Your body to be burned And if you don't have love You got nothing 
Well, why would you give everything that you have to the poor? It's a godly commandment to give to the poor. Feed the hungry, that's amazing. But if you don't have love, you can do it for a name for yourself, you can do it to qualify, you can do it to feel good about yourself, you can do it to make you feel good about what you say you are. Guys, you can evangelize for that reason. You can get proud. Knowledge puffs up. Love edifies. That's why people that can quote the Bible like crazy sometimes are mean and impossible to talk to. Because their knowledge has puffed them up and they've missed the heart of God along the way. And they're allowing their Bible knowledge to define them and take the place of knowing Him, which is the truth. Come on, I'm not mad. It's just, it's just stuff, man. I'm just throwing stuff out. It's little foxes. It's full the fruit of the vine. I'm looking at a body of believers. You're not here on a Friday night because you're trying to miss God. I'm not talking to a room of hypocrites. Are you kidding me? We're hungry and we're searching for Him and we want to know Him more. The heart in this room is awesome. That's why I'm talking so straight and plain. Because I think it's the right heart to land on. So I'm not correcting you. I'm showing you and telling you who we are and what he paid for and what we're called to. So that all that would hear would hear and become. Yeah? That maybe you would look inside your own heart and say, man, I have been holding this. Man, I've been letting this bother me. Man, I have been part of my boss. Man, I've been talking about so-and-so. Man, none of that should have a clue or matter. Have nothing to do with nothing. Because it's sneaky. It's sneaky. Because we were trained by a different line of wisdom. The way that seemeth right. And that's what's so tricky. It seems right. And most of your friends would agree because if they were going through what you're going through, they'd hurt too, so they can't help you. All they can do is sympathize. And then you receive that as a permission slip to stay the same. And you call it a support group. <laughs> it's just people bearing witness with each other. It's just people knowing they'd hurt. They're like, oh, he what? She what? No way. Oh my goodness, let's pray. And we spiritualize, let's pray. Jesus isn't even in it. Because you're actually qualifying their pain. And asking Jesus to come and comfort them and make them feel better instead of believe better and become different. Oh my. I hope you get that. We do it. We do it in our little home groups all the time, man. We, we, we'll, we'll pull out the chair and call it the hot seat. And then we know the sister Sally, we know she's been struggling at home. We know her husband's been really living out of the box. And he won't come to church. She's the sweetest. We're about half offended in him if we were honest. Because she's the sweetest thing. She's like the sweetest Jesus-loving lady. And it just seems to always happen. The sweet lady who loves Jesus has a husband that's a jerk. That's what we think. And doesn't want nothing to do with God. And how did she get tied up with him? And how did he land her? And some of the guys are a little envious because they think, man, I'd take care of her. And some of the ladies are really mad because she's really sweet. And she don't deserve none of what she's getting. You better be careful with that thing. Because you ever see those situations? She's just so, she's just so awesome. She's so passionate. She's walking through church. She's walking, flowers aren't even in season. They just open. She just walk up. 
recognizing a thing about her value and yet she walks in total humility and value. See, that's what Peter was talking about. How without a word, that woman can win the husband that's lost. Why? Because he sees something in her that ain't breaking. He sees something in her that ain't needy. Something that he has no power over. It starts causing a conviction and bringing humility into his heart. Yeah. yeah, or we just have a talk show, victim, villain, and nobody wins. <laughs> He's a dog, and poor her. And we're on her side, and that doesn't help her, because he's a dog. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. I bet we can have a higher answer. Yes. I bet that we kneel down to Sally when she's crying and say, listen, honey, I know it's been a challenge. 
However, I want you to consider this. You begin to talk to her about who she is and who she's created to be, the way it means to walk in the light. You're never decided by your husband. You're decided by the love of business. Here's the raw truth, and we are crazy about this teaching for some reason, but I wish we would be head over heels. The truth is, love doesn't wake up for what its spouse can do for it. Love wakes up to be like Jesus, period. Yeah, that's good. That's right. Ain't that good? That's good. That's what love does. If I honestly learn to wake up in the truth, in prayer, and through the scripture with God every day, and teach my heart that the reason I woke up is to shine, then nothing else is going to matter. I'm going to shine. If I honestly believe nobody owes me a thing, that's exactly how I live. And I'm free, and I'm a people person, and I'm not self-conscious or withdrawn. There's no walls up. What is that? A self-defending delusion. Well, I just got my guard up. My walls are up. What you're saying is I'm touchy, I'm touchable, and I could be taken out. You got your walls up? Cut me a break. You're supposed to deny yourself. Why are you self-protecting? If you're seeking first the kingdom, you got your walls up, you think something's in order? No. Psychology taught you that. Life taught you that. The earth taught you that. Adam taught you that. Because you've been hurt before, and I'm not going to be hurt again. That means you're still hurt. Sure, you're changed. Yeah, 
happened to me. I worked with guys for 13 years. Just one of the guys. And then I got saved. Oh. And for two and a half years, I worked in front of them. Born again. Born again. <clears throat> Nobody owed me a thing. You couldn't do me wrong. I do my work unto the Lord. Yes. I made Papa happy. <laughs> and I loved a lot of people along the way. Saw folks healed right on my job, right in the aisleways, ministered, sit down at break, they'd come and ask me questions. I didn't have to preach with a bullhorn. They'd ask me questions because of my life. How do you, and how come, or why? Wow. Yeah. And men started getting saved. After I left to go pastor, I started to bump into more that were getting saved. It was amazing. Why? I was born again. I didn't go to church now. I was born again. I had a new attitude, a new perspective, had a new reason for being. I woke up with a different why in my life. Yeah. I wasn't trying to make it anymore, and I wasn't hoping he helped the matter. I woke up with a whole different reason. Yeah. I woke up to shine. Yes. And I went to work every day to shine. And man, is that different. Isn't it different? Nobody owes you a thing. Think of what that does for your spouse when you wake up sincerely and she don't owe me a thing because I'm here to love. <laughs> well, that ends arguments. <laughs> you don't have to believe me and don't elbow your spouse when I say this or I'm talking to you for sure. <laughs> watch, watch. 23 years, you can look me in the eyes. I'm not lying. I fear the Lord. I'll stand before you. 23 years, not one moment of animosity towards my wife in 23 years, even when she was way wrong. She went through eight years of identity crisis. Eight years. Some of those years, she wouldn't even come to church, and I was a full-time pastor. She believed people said hi to her because she was my wife because they loved me. Yeah? You say, eight years? It isn't a long time. Knock it off. Truth doesn't know time. Wow. Neither does love. Well, how long am I supposed to? When was this ever about you? If Jesus said that about your life, when you were wayward, when you had conviction and didn't respond, if Jesus was sitting at the right hand of the Father and looked at the Father and said, well, I don't know how long I'm supposed to wait for them. I don't know how we could give them a clearer conviction. If they didn't turn by now, they're probably not turning. I don't even know why. Well, I'm not even sure. Well, they knew better and they did it anyway. Be honest with me. Who here had the truth in their heart since you've been saved and you knew to do something right and you still didn't do it? How many of you did something wrong and while you were doing it, you knew it was wrong? Wonder if God marked you for that and said, hmm, well, if you ain't for me, you're against me. If you don't gather to me, you're scattering. House divided, can't stand. And all of a sudden, he's using his own scripture against it and against you because of a wrong heart. Could you picture that? Could you picture God sitting on the throne watching your life when you raised your hand? And he looks at Jesus and says, can you believe that? Now you know how thorough Holy Spirit is. He doesn't do a bad job. He convicted them, son. I know, Lord. I know, Father. 
I, I know because he's my spirit. It's the spirit of the Lord. <laughs> they knew. They absolutely knew. When they did that, they absolutely knew it was wrong. Yeah. Well, they're not for us. How can we ever trust them again? Like, it's good we don't slumber. They keep us up because... <laughs> Why aren't they having that conversation? Love. Because they're love. And they're not love to empower you to stay the same. They're love to bring you into a place of change. Because yes. yes. it's the goodness of God, not the reprimand of God. The goodness of God that leads them yes. to change. So instead of reacting to someone when they're wrong, wonder if you smother them and shower them with goodness. Not enabling their sin, but to say you're more than what you've done. I see you as more than what you've done. I'm going to love you for what you're created to be, not what you failed to produce. I'm going to love you because I love you. So that's what I did to my wife for eight years. What an honor. What an honor not to have to call Tommy and say, Brother, you need to really keep me in prayer, man. It's getting tough. I got enough on my plate and it's as it is. The other one, the wife just won't, she ain't cooperating, man. It's getting heavy, brother. If God don't move soon, I don't know how long I can take this. In fact, maybe I should consider just moving on because, you know, I mean, God can't expect me to just keep living this way. I mean, sometimes people don't change. If she ain't ready to change, maybe I. And all of a sudden, you spin this long enough. But you come up with a response that you can't find anything. But you can find agreement with your friends because they care about you. Oh, Oh, I'm bringing it right now. That's black belt right there. <laughs> yeah? Come on. And here's what's awesome. He's calling all of us to this through his word. Every one of us in this room. Irregardless of what's around you and who's doing what. You show me one thing I preach tonight that you can't pursue by faith apart from any other factor in your life if you just believe. You show me why you can't wake up in the morning, separate all that from what you're created for and called to, and find grace in this truth so this truth can make you free. Amen. And then live towards everything from him instead of take everything to him. All your troubles, dismays, worries, and woes. We have been so problem-driven in prayer, it's why we've seen very little change in our lives. My wife didn't change for eight years. Watch this. She didn't ever have to change where I was concerned as far as staying the same. I wanted her to change because I love her and she's called me so much more and she is so much more. So I had mercy for her. I cried for her. I didn't cry because of her. I cried for her because she doesn't owe me anything. She's in the biggest trouble of her life. She needs Jesus and a revelation of Jesus in that season so desperately. And he happens to live in me. Now is not the time to be a frustrated husband. Now it's time to be like Christ. Yes. Amen. Yeah? yeah? See, if you elbow your spouse, I'm talking to you because it just means you're hurting, right? That's what happens when people elbow their spouse. I hope you're listening. In other words, you owe me. Time to pay up. I hope you're listening to the preacher. You know, you should be listening to get rid of that part and stop putting obligation on your spouse. Amen. Oh, man. See, you're not always used to folks preaching like this. It's usually, God is here to meet all our needs and bless us. 
That is why he's here. He's here to make us more like him and transform our lives and take away the old and bring forth the new so we can walk in the light as he's in the light so we can shine. Come on, church. Let your light show shine before men. Doesn't say nitpick, fault find, and have issues and attitude. Yeah. <laughs> but make sure you go to church because that covers it all. I messed it up bad tonight. <laughs> Are we doing all right? Yeah. 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 Come on. He so loved us that he set this all in order through his son. That's what freaks me out about Jesus coming and being put in the world. That God thinks so much of what we're created to be that he would go to that extreme. Because to me, that's extreme. For God to be humbled to the point of a little fetus in a womb of a woman. And he's God from the beginning. And now he's in the womb of a woman. You think he's in there being born and being on that cross just to forgive me of my sins and make it as if I never sinned or to restore my purpose, creative value, and destiny? See, the self-serving gospel just says he did it to forgive me and someday I'll go into heaven because I'm pardoned. But the selfless gospel says, no, he's putting his life inside of me and giving me his love, his will, and his motives. And as he is, so are we in this world. And that's the victory right there. Yeah? Yes. So listen, if we don't pursue becoming love, we're going to miss why he came. Are you with me? Yes. Wow, it's that late. Sorry. Got carried away. Midnight. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I am. <laughs> we need to wrap up. I said enough. I'm preaching like three times tomorrow. I hope I didn't run half of you away. <laughs> if I did, I'll still come. We'll still preach. Except preach to every living creature. We just talk to a tree. <laughs> You're an amazing tree. <laughs> Look how unique your bark is. <laughs> I wave my branches too. <laughs> come on, don't let your heart hurt. Don't let your heart be betrayed. Don't let your heart fail. You guard your heart. Out of your heart flows the issues of life. Yeah, your motives, your reason for being flows out of your heart. Don't live with unresolved conflicts. See, as soon as people owe you, you have unresolved conflicts. That's what ruins marriages. That's where trouble comes. You don't communicate. You live with unspoken, failed expectations. Six months down the road, you wonder how you got this way. Because you can't function together. You can't connect. It's because you're letting each other down and not even communicating. How about if we take away the potential to let each other down and start walking in How about if we start valuing and treasuring the creative value of one another and start living to bring the best out in each other? Instead of living to need, let's live to love. Are you with me? Yes. You good with that? Yes. Okay, I didn't talk about healing, but what do you say we just pray for the sick and wrap this thing up tonight and have fun with it? If you enjoyed this message, please visit danmolerarchive.com to find over 2,500 more messages from Dan, all organized by category, playlist, and search. Enjoy.